Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to AOA today. It is Monday, April 18th. We're coming out of the Easter weekend. If you celebrate Easter, hopefully you had time to get together with family and reflect on the holiday. And if you didn't, well, I hope you had at least an enjoyable weekend. We have a lot to talk about going on in the world of agriculture today. If you've checked the markets, they are higher on this Monday. Grains are up, live cattle are up, feeder cattle seeing a little bit of weakness, which is expected with a gain in the corn market of, you know, 13 to 17 cents. We're going to talk about the markets here in just a second with our friend Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing up in Britain, South Dakota. And then in segment two, we're going to talk with John Baranek of DTN Weather. I know I mentioned, I hope a lot of you had a good relaxing weekend, but if you're a listener in North Dakota, you no doubt did not. Digging out for massive amounts of snow. John's going to give us his forecast and what to expect in this next week and updates on those snow totals from that massive spring storm that roared across that state last week. And in segment three, we are going to be speaking with Senator Charles Grassley. He's Iowa's senior senator, keeping track of a lot of things happening in Washington, D.C. And he'll be joining us a little bit later on in the program. And then in segment four, we're to talk fuel. It's that time of year where you got to have your tractor running well. And we're going to discuss how we can do that best. So stay with us here on AOA. Before we jump into all of that other stuff, let's talk markets. Dwayne Bussey joins me now. Dwayne, thanks for talking to us today. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Well, I'm looking at the markets, Dwayne. I'm seeing $8 corn, May and July. We haven't seen that since 2012. Where do we go from here, Dwayne? Old crop corn, are we going to continue moving higher? Well, it appears that way here right now, and at least in the short-term trend, right? It, kind of a lot of smaller bullish stories all coming together here this morning. The Ukraine-Russian war kind of heating up again. Putin last week with some you know, nasty comments, basically. It sounds like he's not even close to being done with that. And, and I think we're starting to put a, a little weather premium into this market, too. You know, as we get Easter past and we all look, uh, we all are anxious to get out in the field. And I, I know it's early, but, boy, the temps are definitely cool and a little damp in spots. So it doesn't look like there's at least going to be an early start to planting this year. And when we need every acre planted, um, it probably justifies a rally this morning. Where do you see this rally headed here in the short term? And as you're watching around this old crop market dancing around $8 to wane, what are the technical levels you're watching to, to see where this thing trades? You know, I keep looking at the chart, and <laughs> unless you look at back at some continuous monthly charts or something like that, obviously there is no resistance. It looks like it's straight up. It's very overbought, um, and last week I thought it had to correct going into a holiday weekend, and it just didn't. The buying just continues to stay in there. So not a lot for resistance out there, to be honest with you, Mike. I mean, you can go back to different levels on the continuous chart and look at like an 848, something like that. It's just... It kind of feels like we're just going to rally until maybe we see a little bit of rationing of demand. Uh, also, another bullish story is Brazil uh, second crop corn. It looks like a big crop, but getting just a little bit dry, so that that's a concern there as well. And, and of course, that usually brings in more Chinese buying of our old crop. So that's kind of, I think, what the trade is wondering. And I wonder if this isn't China buying the board before they buy some more old crop cash U.S. corn here. That's interesting, Dwayne. And I was going to ask you, we did see an announcement. You'd posted on Twitter about it earlier today. China's going to auction 500,000 tons of imported beans here later on this month. What are you going to be watching for in that sale? How does that matter to, to U.S. producers? Well, it matters as far as you got to look at the demand. You know, a lot of times we'll like to post, especially if, wow, 100% of it was sold. That's obviously a sign that demand is strong there in China. You know, if they only sell half of it, that's a sign of, oh, Maybe the demand isn't that strong. So, yeah, I, I want to say that's this Friday they auction off those beans, and those are imported beans they're going to sell. Uh, I really feel like China's done a very good job of just they're using their reserves up while these prices are high, but they're getting a little critical now, and with the Brazil crop much smaller than anticipated. They've had to go back in and buy our old crop beans, and we'll probably need quite a bit of our new crop. You know, they snuck in on Friday when the markets was closed and bought quite a bit of our old and new crop beans there. So I, demand is still very high, even at these high prices. 
As you think about this soybean market, Dwayne, looking out here with new crop beans, uh, 517 where we're trading right now in november this market has been on fire do you have some ideas where you'd like to start getting some sales on on the new crop beans well i i think anything above that 1525 level you can start doing some scale-up sales i mean i wrote down earlier in the year 16 to 18 dollars but that was before the march 31st planning intentions report now of course we're assuming more soybean acres planted but the more i talk to farmers it sounds like they're shifting just a little bit back to corn now again so we're going to stay with a premium in this market until we do know what the acres are going to be but you know like i said anything above 1525 and higher if you want to slowly start scale up selling i'm not going to say no to anyone do that the only recommendations i would have is that make it maybe small increments with kind of wide price ranges in between you know if you do it at 1525 maybe the next one is like 1565 you you make another small sale because it seems like with markets like these if you have them uh, too close together you trip like th three targets in like two days <laughs> and that's true and you know we're kind of laughing about that but this is incredible volatility Dwayne I'm looking at the Chicago wheat market right now we're up 35 36 cents here in in wheat obviously that dryness moving across uh, well all of the western plains but in particular the southern plains are driving this wheat crop boy does it look like this market still has a lot of steam in the tank it actually does. Yeah, you're right. Maybe a little bit disappointed in the forecast this morning. When we were closing the books last week for the holiday, it looked like the southern plains were going to get some rain, especially a little bit further west where they really needed it. And, of course, this morning we, we look and they shift those precip chances a little bit further east once again so that weather pattern continues. So that kind of justifies the premium we're building in this morning. And, of course, like I said, the Russia-Ukraine war really heating up more. It looks like it's just going to be that much tougher for them to get everything planted. So I, I think it's justified, and I think you got to start looking back above that $12 mark it is a is a target that you know Chicago wheat can get to and uh, yeah I know that's a bullish number but uh, it feels like it, it's reachable the only thing we need to remember is that our demand we are rationing our demand for old crop wheat our export sales have been really pretty pathetic here so uh, the world price of wheat it keeps skyrocketing but they're not buying it from us so so be careful this rally will need to be sold at some point in time Okay. Well, Duane, as we're thinking about rationing demand, one sector of the corn consuming marketplace is trying to ration demand, and that's cattle feeders. They have been stuck between a rock and a hard place now for two and a half years, Duane. $8 corn is certainly not a good sign for those folks, nor is $250, $350 hay. Where do you see feeder cattle going from here? When are, when are folks going to catch a break? I, I know. I, I'd love to say that, you know, feeders got to get, you know, in the 190s to 200s to you know, make everyone make some money with inflation. But I, I'm a little worried we're a year off of that. I think we still have uh, a decent uh, size herd here coming yet. And, and honestly, I, I look at like the back month feeders, uh, November feeders, for example, right around that 180. I think that's actually hedge worthy. I know we're off the highs, but we haven't been above 180 for November feeders for about six or seven years. So that's a good place to sell. All right. Finding some opportunities out there in these volatile markets. We've been talking to Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. Dwayne, thanks for joining us today. Hey, anytime. Have a good day, Mike. And folks, stick around. John Baranek of DTN Weather will join us after the break. We'll recap that North Dakota snowstorm and what to expect in this coming week. Stay with us here on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Experts agree, using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC has a synergistic effect with HPPD inhibitors and enhances atrazine with fast results. Tough 5EC is in stock and ready to ship. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Soil, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Soil Ship Enterprise to explore soil life, to boldly grow where cover crops have never grown before.
Farmer's log, soil date 31655.4. We've come across some strange but incredibly helpful life forms. We didn't have to travel far to find them, but these organisms have proven invaluable on our trip through the solar system. They help feed us by nourishing and protecting our crops. They've built our soil structure to make it more resilient to the harsh weather we encounter. Our sensors indicate they're even helping us store carbon that plants take out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil. Guess you can say our living and life-giving soil is the best thing to cling on to. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's soil fleet humor. <laughs> Visit your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn more about the basics and benefits of soil health. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you. And we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, thanks for tuning in today to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Next up, we are talking with John Baranek of DTN Weather. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. Appreciate it. I wanted to talk to you first. We, this past week, John, we saw one of the largest snow events to come across North Dakota, certainly over the past year, huge amounts of snowfall. I was hoping, could you give our listeners a recap for those folks outside the Dakotas, what fell and where? How big was this storm? Yeah, it was a monster storm. Uh, really, basically from south, the southeastern half of Montana, all of North Dakota, and then going up into uh, into Canada too, so southeastern Saskatchewan and southern Manitoba, western Ontario. Uh, it was a lot of uh, 12 to 24 inches of snow. But over North Dakota specifically, we saw a lot of 24 to 30 inches of snow across most of the state. It was quite insane, you know. And it was a three-day event, so I mean the snow just kept coming. The winds were whipping around, so it was a three-day blizzard really. And, you know, you see pictures out of some of those areas, and it's just incredible, the drifting that went on, uh, just going over overpasses and, and stuff like that, you know, 10, 12-foot-high drifts. It's just, just incredible amounts of snow. Yeah, no, it's been staggering. I've seen a lot of photos from North Dakota ranchers trying to get out there, rescue calves who have been born here in this uh, this crazy Easter blizzard. And John, they've all posted on Facebook that this is, is frustrating. This is a struggle. They're working their hardest to try and save these calves. But they also said, my goodness, we needed the moisture and this kind of heavy, wet snow. Um, do you anticipate this doing much to alleviate the drought pressure there that's been covering that western North Dakota parts of Montana? Yeah, absolutely. It will do that. Um, so there is there is a silver lining to the, the big snowstorm. Um, and uh, ones that are going to come up, too, we can talk about in a little bit. But, you know, out of that snow, I mean, if, if you melted it all down, it came down to about uh, one and a half to two and a half inches of actual liquid. So, I mean, if you were to, if it was a rain, it had widespread uh, amounts all across there of one and a half to two and a half inches. So that is definitely, once it melts, 
will be a, a big uh, boon to these areas that have been dealing with drought, as we all know, for quite some time now. Uh, so, yes, this system is definitely having that sort of impact, and we're just going to have to wait a couple couple of weeks, maybe a few weeks, uh, to see some of those benefits out of that. Yeah, you just said when it melts, John. When's that going to happen in North Dakota, and is there the potential for more snow for those folks? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the pattern we're in right now is very up and down, and uh, when you have that, you know, you get basically – Warmer air coming up ahead of systems, cold air coming in behind it. But if you've got that deep snow cover, uh, it's really hard to warm up. So uh, we're not going to see a whole lot of melting out of that here anytime soon. Uh, and, yeah, as you mentioned, we have the potential here for some uh, some additional heavy snowfall here coming up this weekend with the system. Uh, we got another big, strong system. It's going to pull up some nice warm air, but it's not really going to do it up into North Dakota and into Montana. Instead, they're going to wrap in some more cold air and uh, heavy precipitation amounts likely to turn that over to snow. So uh, amounts with this one probably not going to be like what we saw last week, uh, but there could be some spots in there that see another foot of snow. So uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be another big storm to watch here. Wow. Keep those hats and gloves near the door, friends in North Dakota. It's going to be a long spring, it sounds like. John, let's look out at the rest of the country. That system that moved through the, the northern plains and, well, of course, added those uh, those thunderstorms in the southern plains and, and southern Corn Belt is continuing to move eastward. Who's got some severe weather risk today? Yeah, today is not a severe weather day. So uh, a lot. it's basically pushing off the southeast coast where they had a uh, potential for some thunderstorms out there. A little bit further north, is once you get kind of towards and, and north of the Ohio River, it's a mix of rain and snow. So uh, we don't have a whole lot of severe weather going on uh, today, but we will have ones with coming up uh, here Wednesday. Uh, we have another system moving across the plains into the Midwest. It's going to stay out of the southeast for the most part, uh, but we'll have some uh, potential for severe weather in that system. And then the weekend storm I mentioned with the heavy snow across the northern plains, likely to produce some uh, strong, severe storms here across the rest of the plains and into the Midwest as well. That system's going to be a little bit weird as it, as it kind of leaves a, a frontal boundary uh, around from the southern plains into the Midwest here for early next week. Um, we'll have to see if that kind of develops another low-pressure system on it, creates some more severe weather for uh, folks farther south. But uh, for right now, it looks like the severe threat for this weekend storm will be kind of central plains, uh, maybe southern plains into the western Midwest for the most part. All right. John, we continue to hear discussions, and we're going to get an update later on today when the crop progress report comes out from USDA about the terrible condition of the wheat in the southern plains. Growers are throwing in the towel. Sand is blowing. It's hot, dry, it's windy. Any relief coming for those producers? There might be a little bit, but it's going to be in very small spots. Uh, these couple of systems that move here through here this week are drawing in some decent so, uh, moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, and um, it might pull it far enough west to get into West Texas, into Western Kansas and Nebraska, perhaps even Colorado uh, with a little bit of it. But um, the showers and thunderstorms that are they're going to produce that far west are going to be very spotty and localized. So. Um, there may be a, a couple of folks out there that end up with, you know, an inch worth of rain, which would be helpful, but, you know, it doesn't do anything to eliminate the drought. But there's going to be a lot of folks that just end up on the dry side of everything. And, you know, these systems are going to bring some strong winds like we've already seen out of a lot of these systems and not seeing much, uh, not much help in, in that regard. All right. That, that pain down there in the Southern Plains is going to continue. John, growers up here in the Northern Corn Belt, especially folks I've been talking to, they are getting excited to get out there, get in the field, get some, some spring planting underway. As you look at temperatures over the next couple of weeks, do you expect to see a warm up here across the Corn Belt? You know, our normal temperatures anyway are, are heading up, um, you know, rather, rather quickly here over the next uh, several weeks. So, you know, even if we do get below normal temperatures, it uh, could be, you know, warm enough to get out there and, and, and do some stuff. Uh, but our, our, our temperatures on the whole are going to be kind of roller coastery for the next, uh, <laughs> if that's a word, roller coastery, uh, for the next several weeks here, uh, probably through mid-May before we kind of turn, turn warmer. So we should see a lot of up and down going through, a lot of storm systems moving through. That's going to keep soils a bit wet, too. Uh, you know, we've already been dealing with that a lot here this spring, uh, especially if you're along and east of the Mississippi River. 
looks like it's going to continue for the next few weeks as well. So um, temperatures, temperatures up and down, uh, so it's slow to warm up because they're wetter, and they're just going to kind of stay wet here. So it's going to, the, the windows, uh, you know, we've been kind of talking about it for several months, but, you know, planting windows are going to be a little tight this year. Uh, it looks like it's coming true. All right, John, last week when we talked to you on the show, we looked down to Brazil and you mentioned you were a little nervous about the ability for their wet season to stick around until its usual ending period. It's been another week. Does it look like uh, that end of the rainy season is going to come sooner down in Brazil than uh, maybe we'd been thinking? Yeah, it's essentially over. So they had some showers move through kind of middle of last week in central Brazil and looks like that's about it. So you know, typically what we see is that uh, that wet season ending the first few days of May. Uh, it's come about two and a half weeks early this year. Uh, and prior to that, they were dealing with isolated showers for the last several weeks. So they've seen soil moisture kind of declining basically over the last six weeks. And uh, with no real significant uh, showers or thunderstorms on any wild scale, wide scale uh, coming up here uh, for the rest of the season, that's likely uh, to continue here. The dryness and, you know, they hadn't seen stress uh, in a lot of these areas recently just because, you know, the soil moisture was there. But now that uh, everything's draining out and there's no nothing being added to it, uh, that, that whole central portion of the country there is, is, is kind of looking ominous, uh, especially as their, their corn gets into pollination. And, and John, how far are we from pollination for a lot of that corn down there, particularly in the central region of Brazil? Yeah, that central Brazil, uh, Brazil area is kind of getting into it right now. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, have a good estimate on it, but I would say probably a quarter of it uh, of the crop is into pollination already. And, you know, so that means that 75% is going to go into it without any significant rainfall here for the rest of the season. So dryness at pollination is one issue, John, but temps obviously are another. As you look at temperatures across Brazil and Argentina at this time of year as well, are they warm? Are they cool? What's the temp situation looking like? Central Brazil, I mean, they're a very tropical climate, so they're in the 80s and 90s daily kind of regardless. I mean, sometimes they'll get systems moving through, and then it'll push them kind of down in the 70s for highs. But, you know, they're, they're, they stay stuck in the in the 80s and 90s for pretty much the entire year. So that's not changing. Um, in, in terms of kind of farther south into southern Brazil and going into Argentina, they're a lot more up and down. And uh, they'll see a lot more up and down kind of as systems move through. That variability sticks around. We'll continue to watch for updates on that Brazilian corn crop. In the meantime, John Baranek, DTN Weather. Thanks so much for talking to us today. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Appreciate it. And folks, stick around when we return. Senator Charles Grassley, Iowa's senior senator, will be joining us. We're going to talk inflation. We're going to talk immigration, all sorts of things that impact your life. Stay with us on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. There's a difference between field experts and experts in the field. At FS, we're experts in the field. Our crop specialists are driven to maximize every acre and bring the latest agronomic technologies and innovations to your farm. Whether recommending the appropriate hybrid or variety, nutrient management for optimum growth, or advice on disease and pest management, our crop specialists are always focused on pointing your operation forward. So visit fssystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. Smart stays on the road. That's why it's in your engine. Because you wouldn't settle for subpar performance. Senex Maxtron synthetic diesel engine oils give you the smartest oil for the toughest conditions. These premium oils maintain 80% of their viscosity throughout the drain interval for superior engine performance across extreme temperatures. That horizon looks good with the competition behind you. Senex Maxtron diesel engine oils. Oil that runs smart. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, as we take a look at the market trade so far on this Monday, we're seeing good strength across the grain and oilseed sector with wheat futures and soybeans now leading our way. Front month corn contracts have broken over $8. Front month soybeans up over $17. And we're seeing wheat contracts well into the $11 range, some pushing towards the $12 range as we work through 
Our morning. There's been no progress on any sort of ceasefire in Ukraine, with Russians continuing to send missiles into Ukrainian cities, including Lviv, over the weekend. Grain and soybeans have again moved higher, as I mentioned, on that news, and a dry forecast in central Brazil and an active U.S. pattern that is likely to further delay corn and soy seeding. Wheat is leading the way higher, along with bean oil, which gaped higher as well. Now, speaking of weather here moving forward in the U.S., Forecasts released over the weekend combined both the European and uh, UK forecast models to add credibility, calling for a dry July, August, and September for much of the Midwest. Now, forecasts that far out lack high confidence, but the risks are elevated in a year when supplies are tight. Right now, May quarter up 17 and a half, 807 and three quarters. July up 18, 801 and three quarters. May soybeans up 30, 17, 12 and a quarter. July up 27 and three quarters, 1693. May bean meal up three dollars a ton, four sixty four forty. May bean oil up one hundred forty three points, eighty thirty four. May Chicago wheat up thirty three and a quarter, eleven twenty nine and three quarters. May Kansas City wheat up thirty two and a half, eleven eighty six and a half. May spring wheat up thirty three and a half at eleven seventy eight. May lean hogs up one eighty, one fourteen fifty five. April live cattle up twenty two, one forty ninety. April feeders down one twenty seven, one fifty six ninety two. Crude oil up a dollar, one oh seven ninety five. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, thanks for joining us here for AOA. I was very excited. We were going to be speaking with Senator Charles Grassley in this segment about everything that's happening in Washington, D.C., but I just got word he has been called into a meeting. He does have a conflict. He is going to have to take a rain check, and Senator Grassley will join us here on AOA on Thursday at the regular time. Same time, but on Thursday, we'll be talking to the senator. Very excited. We are going to review some of the things he has been working on. One bill that he and Senator Bob Casey recently introduced. This is a bipartisan bill. This is the Rural Hospital Support Act. This is designed to help get rural hospitals additional funding and some additional resources. We'll discuss that when Senator Grassley is on on Thursday, as well as what he's hearing. He is currently doing uh, his travel here around the state of Iowa, talking to constituents, and uh, he's going to tell what he's been hearing from the folks who come to his town halls. I do know that one topic that has come up time and time again, he and I were speaking earlier, and that's inflation. Everybody is talking about inflation. We all notice it when we go to the grocery store. We spoke with Jason Miller here this past week on the podcast. He joined us on Thursday. If you missed the interview, you can go back and check our podcast and hear it. And uh, Jason is a professor at Michigan State University, and he talked about why this inflation feels so painful. And at the end of the day, what he has found is that folks who have to uh, go to the grocery store and they're paying these higher prices... The reason these 8, 10, 12% price hikes at the grocery store are feeling so profound is because from 2014 through 2019, he saw in his index of things that people purchase at grocery stores was stable to declining. Prices were actually going down in that time period. 
At the same time, the average American's wages jumped 16%. So Professor Miller looks at that five-year period and says, really, what we had was deflationary price pressures happening at the grocery store, and that's what his grocery store index tracks, really, is what do Americans buy most frequently when they go to the grocery store. Because it was so deflationary, 2014 through 2019, these price spikes that are happening now feel a lot more profound, and they, they sting a little bit bit more. And that's why it, it feels like so much worse than the official numbers make it out to be. After you go to the grocery store and, you know, spend your $100 on food for two, why goodness, it, it stings. And those inflationary prices are changing the way consumers behave around the world. One price where we're seeing, one place rather, where we're seeing this develop is China. Of course, we talk a lot about China on this program because they do purchase a lot of agricultural goods. So their internal economic health matters to American farmers' bottom lines. And as we think about what has happened in China throughout COVID, you know, we've all seen the, the recent reports of the, uh, the city of Shenzhen being locked down, Shanghai being locked down, all of these, these COVID concerns that have developed. And so the market was watching very closely for these numbers reported by the Chinese government late last week. These all came out on Thursday. And at the end of the day, what they found were very bullish numbers for the Chinese economy. Uh, Chinese growth domestic product in the first quarter of 2022 climbed 4.8%. Uh, they did say, and I thought this was an interesting uh, caveat from the Chinese government, they did say that these figures do not capture the full extent of the economic damage from COVID lockdowns in Shanghai and in other places. They had several border cities also effectively locked down starting in the middle of March. And so this data doesn't really capture that. So if we look at pre this most recent COVID outbreak in China, they argue their growth was up 4.8%. However, there were some red flags that economists are keeping an eye on, notably retail sales. So we discussed that with Professor Miller on Thursday's episode as well. Domestic U.S. retail sales have been strong, but now they're starting to weaken as consumers have to spend more money on energy, both fuel and, of course, uh, home electricity and, and every other, you know, format of energy whose price has climbed here in the past year. Well, very similar story is happening in China. Retail sales contracted. It was down about half a percent uh, from, excuse me, it was down three and a half percent from the level they saw a year ago. And joblessness in China climbed to 5.8%. The Chinese government says that is the highest since May of 2020 when they were doing their, their strict lockdowns due to the, uh, the COVID outbreak. So that is the news from China. The government has said they are going to stick with their COVID zero policy. This is a policy that has a lot of people in the international grain trade, international meats trade, a little concerned should China use this policy to shut down port cities. Now, the government has come out and they've kind of changed the definition of what that COVID zero policy means. For the past two years of the pandemic, COVID zero meant zero COVID cases in mainland China. And anytime there was a COVID case, they'd lock down, they'd uh, quarantine that person and, you know, try to wipe the virus out that way. What the Chinese government has said now with their COVID zero approach is what they mean is zero additional spread outside the quarantined community. So they're changing the definitions a little bit. A lot of the folks I've spoken with who do work in international trade say they hope this will give the government flexibility to not shut down the ports if a major port city were to see an outbreak of COVID. And the way that the COVID cases have been surging in uh, in Shanghai and in some of the other towns, uh, that has these traders concerned. It was announced, I think it was yesterday or on Saturday, that uh, the first three people in Shanghai have died of COVID. They've had no COVID deaths up until now, apparently, according to the Chinese government. We'll continue to track this. We will continue to watch what's happening in China. You know, their moves matter in the global commodity system. Well, we heard from Dwayne Bussey here earlier this segment, China likes to have a stockpile. And they like to have a stockpile because when prices are high for grains and oil seeds, they'll draw down those domestic stockpiles and hopefully bridge until the prices break. But in 2022, with tight supplies globally, with 
with acreage concerns still developing here out of the U.S. And now, as we heard from John Baranek there in segment two, concerns about the ability for Brazil's corn crop to make it to the finish line at the yields they had been anticipating could be raising fears that China may well have to step in in a bigger way in this corn market and uh, pay a little bit higher prices to restock their uh, their, their stockpiles. Some other news developing, continuing to develop, I should say, in American agriculture is avian influenza, high path AI. This is, of course, the, the bird flu that has been spreading among uh, bird flocks here in the United States. Over the weekend, or I guess late last week, we added three new states that have confirmed HPAI uh, influenza infections, Pennsylvania, Idaho, and Utah were added to the title. Uh, now, it's worth noting that in Utah and in Idaho, both high path HI cases have been found in backyard flocks. There were two of them in southern Idaho where they tracked the disease, and there was a backyard flock in Utah where they found it. Pennsylvania, that was found on a, a commercial poultry farm. As of now, losses of domestic birds, both losses from the disease and, of course, the aggressive culling that has to happen once HPAI is discovered in a poultry barn, mean that so far we have lost 27.4 million birds. These are predominantly laying hens. Also, turkeys have been impacted. And it's worth noting, this is really the first appearance of HPAI in two years. Um, and this has continued to be carried in wild birds and Back in 2014, 2015, the last major outbreak of HPAI killed more than 50 million birds. And again, there it was targeted primarily to egg-laying hens in turkeys, egg-laying hens and turkeys, I should say. So as of so far with this HPAI outbreak here in 2022, we're a little over half of the damage that was done in that 2014-2015 period. Now, granted, since then, the bird flock in this country has grown. Uh, we have continued to put layers on feed and we have added more turkey facilities. So as a percentage, it's not quite uh, that same half that we saw back in 20, uh, 2014 and 2015. We'll continue to be tracking HPAI. This outbreak is not done. These farmers and departments of agriculture are working very quickly. And uh, as we've discussed on this program, they're taking the lessons they learned in 2014 and 2015, and they've been able to make some substantial advances in how they quarantine and liquidate uh, these birds after an HPAI infection. And we will be discussing this more, hopefully a little bit later on this week, waiting to hear back from some secretaries of agriculture of states that have been impacted. And we'll bring those conversations to you as they become available. I also wanted to share some news that has been percolating, and that's the fertilizer market, folks. We continue to see fertilizer be very, very volatile. As of this morning, of course, we know fertilizer prices are correlated with energy prices, and folks, crude is back up, natural gas is back up. We are seeing energy prices on the whole continue to climb, and that's making the fertilizer market a little risky. Our friend Josh Linville, the director of fertilizer at StoneX, recently published uh, an email update of the factors he's keeping an eye on. We've been focusing on China and their ban on nitrogen fertilizer exports. And Josh says that fertilizer ban is in no risk of being changed. China does continue to plan to keep this ban in place. Their goal is to keep fertilizer costs as low as possible for their domestic growers. He also had noted that Russian exports were hoped to resume, which would help the global supply and demand picture. But uh, companies that he was expecting to see purchase Brazilian fertilizer, like India and Brazil and Mexico, they have not stepped forward too far. Uh, his belief is that uh, Russia is going to struggle to find countries that will continue to do business with them. We saw the Biden administration put pressure on the Indian government yesterday after they have continued, or last week rather, after they have continued buying oil from Russia. And I imagine that pressure is going to segue over into the fertilizer market and other commodities as well as the global community looks to keep Russia isolated. Folks, stick with us when AOA returns. We're going to talk with Aaron Rogi of Senex about getting the most out of the diesel fuel that's powering your tractor. Stay with us here on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. We, we, we We are are the the Foundation foundation Fighting fighting Blindness. Blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. I'll take Dig a Little, Learn a Lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC has a synergistic effect with HPPD inhibitors and enhances atrazine with fast results. Tough 5EC is in stock and ready to ship. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. (laughs) Do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Time is money, right? And money? Well, it's the whole reason we go to work every day. Cenex Premium Diesel protects both. With a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, Cenex Roadmaster XL helps your entire fuel system stay up and running, so you can count more profits and steer clear of losses. Now, don't spend all that free time in one place, unless it's the highway. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Okay, gotta be late. Gotta go, gotta go. Where'd I put... Ah, wallet. Check. And... Oh, phone. Uh, check. Keys. Check. Lunch. Check. Checking for the things you need doesn't take long. But what about checking for your safety? Right now, one in every five vehicles on the road has an open safety recall. But it only takes seconds to check for open recalls on your car at checktoprotect.org. All you need is your vehicle identification number or license plate number. Your automaker may not have the right information to notify you about recalls by mail, especially if you recently moved or drive an older or used car. Checktoprotect.org is the quick, easy way to find out if your vehicle has an open safety recall and find the closest dealer who can make the repair for free. Oh, oh, laptop. Check. Before you go, take a minute. Visit checktoprotect.org. Check to Protect is a program of the National Safety Council. When it comes to your 2022 seed decisions, don't step over the line. Buy new, professionally produced seed from authorized seed companies and dealers. The Seed Innovation and Protection Alliance membership of 100 companies invest 15% of their sales into product research and development that can take 7 to 16 years, with total costs ranging from $1 million to $140 million for new genetics and or traits. SEPA thanks farmers for buying new seed that not only maximizes yield potential, but also funds the next great seed innovations for U.S. farmers. To anonymously report a seed infringement, call 1-844-SEED-TIP. 
Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. With planting season just around the corner, tractors across the country are going to be asked to do a lot of work. And if they're going to work efficiently, they've got to be fueled right. Joining me today is Erin Rogie. She's the Senior Product Manager with CHS Refined Fuels. And Erin, let's talk about diesel fuel. Are they all the same? No, actually, they're not, Mike. There are some, you know, misconceptions about diesel fuel and diesel fuel systems. And it's always worth it to evaluate your options because while we all know that winter is brutal on diesel, it's just assumed sometimes that milder conditions mean you can take your foot off the, the gas and use a milder fuel, one that isn't maybe as premium or doesn't have a, you know, a higher quality rating. But you know what, that can't be further from the truth. All year round, conditions can be taxing on the equipment. And the last thing we want is for something to happen when that you know modern advanced equipment is needed most. It can lead to some big risk for any operation. It certainly can. And to that effect, whether it's spring, summer, or fall, Aaron, what factors do growers need to consider when it comes to fuel choice? Well, probably top of the list, Mike, or actually definitely top of the list is temperature fluctuation. And really think about day to night shifts from heat to cold. Anytime you have a temperature fluctuation, you run the risk of condensation. Building in bulk fuel tanks, when water gets into those tanks and hopefully it doesn't get into the system, but if it does get into the system, it could cause some damage to fuel filters, your injectors, and cause corrosion in your tractors and other heavy-duty equipment. Dirt and debris also can become a problem. If filters are damaged, you run an extra risk of that dirt and debris getting in. So if that water gets in, damages the filter, that ups the ante for that, that dirt to cause issues within a system. And finally, uh, is fuel breakdown. Again, another um, enemy here is water, specifically because there's limited use during, you know, a growing season or the winter. When you run your equipment less, if it sits idle or the fuel sits in the tank, it can go bad over time, especially when exposed to water through condensation or seepage. Um, and then the fuel might not be ready when you get to planting, when you get to harvest, and that compromised fuel can rob you of valuable power, efficiency, and time, which we all know time is money. Absolutely. It certainly is. So, Aaron, what makes premium diesel a better choice? Premium diesel, like Cenex Premium Diesel, such as Cenex uh, Ruby Fieldmaster, has an additive package included, terminally injected to ensure that it is precisely formulated and blended at the right temperatures with seven key additives that keep your fuel in the game, top quality and performing all year round, especially when you need it most. That additive package includes key components such as demulsifiers. Demulsifiers remove water, which we've talked about a little bit, from the fuel and pushes it to the bottom of the tank and it prevents it from getting in the system entirely. Detergents keep your entire fuel system clean and then, you know, actually improve the performance of your exhaust after treatment system because you're getting a cleaner combustion. Plus those detergents, as any detergent does, protects against dirt and debris and cleans things up. Finally, a storage stabilizer, you know, really helps minimize that fuel breakdown. It extends the shelf life of your fuel beyond a typical number two diesel. And so when we're looking at that premium quality and working year round, you're insured peak performance. Just knowing that CHS and Cenex stand behind our products with the Cenex Total Protection Plan really kind of puts the bow on the package, but really want to talk about performance and protection through Cenex Premium Diesel Fuel. Aaron, if we've got listeners who want that performance this planting season, where can they go to learn more? 
The best place to go is to talk to your local Cenex Premium Diesel dealer. They're always happy to answer any questions and they can help you find the right products for your needs. We all know that the operation is only as efficient as the equipment and your equipment is only as efficient as what you put in it. So that local Cenex dealer is going to help you find the right fuel for you. And you can find that dealer and also learn more about our products on Cenex.com. Fantastic, folks. Check those out. We've been talking to Aaron Rogi, the Senior Product Manager with CHS Refined Fuel. Aaron, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. And diesel fuel prices are still a hot topic of conversation. John Kemp is an energy researcher with Bloomberg, and he has been tracking global distillate inventories. And of course, distillates are the products we make from petroleum, notably the big ones we care about are heating oil and diesel and so forth. And what he has found is that distillate stocks right now are 28 million barrels, or about 20% below the pre-pandemic five-year seasonal average. And these inventories inventories are being depleted. He does say there is some hope as we continue to see economies globally switch from petroleum-intensive goods purchases over to less petroleum-intensive service purchases, going out, getting their haircuts, going to bars, etc. That should help stabilize distillate demand, but he doesn't expect it's going to bring prices down very much at all. Distillates are the most cyclically sensitive of the major petroleum products, and this slowdown in consumption growth is usually associated, he notes, with a mid-cycle slowdown or an end-of-cycle recession. So there are some concerns out here, but if you are buying diesel, I just did a quick check of the AAA fuel price list. Folks in Oklahoma, currently, according to AAA, for on-road diesel prices, they are paying the least. Their average is $4.72 a gallon, and this was as of last week. Our friends in California, on the other side of the spectrum, on-road diesel prices in California last week, $6.72. 32 and a half cents. These price levels are staggering and it will be filtering through the supply chain as time goes on. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in to AOA today. We're going to be back tomorrow. We're going to talk financial regulatory reform and what's coming there. And then stay with us on Thursday. We'll be talking to Senator Charles Grassley. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. Talk to doctor now and share it. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it twice a day. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it in the morning and before dinner. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it, and share it with my doctor. Nearly one in two U.S. adults have high blood pressure. That's why it's important to self-monitor your blood pressure in four easy-to-remember steps. It starts with a monitor. Now that I know my blood pressure numbers, I talked with my doctor. We're getting those numbers down. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. Talk to doctor now and share it. Be next to talk to your doctor about your blood pressure numbers. Get down with your blood pressure. Self-monitoring is power. Learn more at manageyourbp.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Heart Association, and the American Medical Association. In partnership with the Office of Minority Health and Health Resources and Services Administration.